I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey guys, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Grief Gang podcast. You lucky buggers, it's another guest episode. <laughs> You've got... Two, two in two weeks, you are lucky, lucky buggers. Um, This week's episode, I am extremely happy about. I'm grinning from ear to ear, trying not to giggle. (laughs) (laughs) So this lovely guest, just some um, background as to how we met. We met back in November of 2019 at the Grief Networks meetup, Mm -hmm. um, which was a lovely occasion. It was very social. Lots of wine was flowing, I think. Mm -hmm. I definitely was pissed. Um, And... I stumbled across this lovely young lady and we got to talking and we found a common denominator. Is that the term? Yeah. We both run podcasts. <laughs> so without further ado, I would like to introduce the lovely Anharad George Carey. Said it right, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. Really, okay. Really. AKA the Daddy Issues podcast. Whoop, clap, whoop. clap, clap, clap. <laughs> Babe. So happy we're doing this. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> this has been in the diary for so long I as know. Well. I've been so looking forward to it. Because as I was saying to Amber outside, I so rarely now speak about grief or my experience because I'm talking yeah. about others. Mm-hmm. And I love that, but I'm interested to see where my brain takes me during yeah. this, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, this is new territory for you, yeah. as you were saying before, like... And yes, yeah, so Anne Harold, obviously, she's a uh, podcaster too, but she is now on the other side. So she's done yeah. it before, but this is the first time she is being on the other side and talking about her grief and her grief journey. So it's mm. a little bit um, unknownish territory for you, yeah. but I'm so happy you said yes. Oh, thank and you. Yeah. Also, just to let you know, sorry, I have this all the time because I say people's names wrong, but it's Ang Harrod. Uh, <laughs> fucking dickhead Amber Anne Harrod not Anne Harrod okay Anne Harrod scold on the wrist honestly on the way here I was like no I'm confident in it I'm confident in it Look, okay Anne no no I mean if I wasn't me I'd be terrified to say my name so like what the hell is that <laughs> when, I, when I saw it on Instagram I was like um yeah I don't know yeah, and then when yeah. we first met I think we were a little bit drunk I was like you said it, it went one in at the other and I was like fuck I didn't catch her name <laughs> Fuck, I can't refer to her as daddy issues. Like, <laughs> yeah. she, ha- she has a government name. Like, that's just rude, Amber. I, I think probably the amount of times people don't say my name because they're probably so mm-hmm. freaked out by getting it wrong. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> people are probably going, 
saying babe to me way more yeah, than they would. Yeah, yeah. Darling, yeah, babe, yeah, exactly. sweetie. And you're well, like, mate. Yeah, yeah, you're like, I know you don't know how to say my name. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go full swing. Yeah. So um, we are definitely going to touch on your podcast because I'm fucking obsessed with it. And Aww. I love it. Um, but for now, mm-hmm. I want you to tell the listeners about you. Mm-hmm. Oh, choking a bit. Um, <laughs> just tell us, obviously, I've said your name, but mm-hmm. your age, mm-hmm. what you do, mm-hmm. and yeah, stage is yours. Great. So <laughs> I am 28 years old. Oh my God. A fine age. Scary. <laughs> and I, um, I'm an actress. I'm now a podcaster mm-hmm. and a writer. You are indeed. Yeah. You are indeed. So a slash, slash, slash. I'm like a true millennial, <laughs> which is a bit cringe, but there we go. Not <laughs> Embracing. <Yeah. laughs> um, but yes, my story of grief. So basically, I when I was seven years old, or seven and a half, because mm-hmm. the half is very important for <laughs> so some reason. It's very, um, you know, yeah, yeah. Not just because I was little, but because for me, that meant like half a year longer that my dad was alive and yeah. I was there. Yeah, yeah, more time, yeah. Yeah, so I was in a car accident. So me and my family lived in Hong Kong mm-hmm. because both my parents are lawyers and their work took them there before we were all born. Mm-hmm. Actually, my mum's work took her there and then... My parents just got married, yeah. so my dad was like, let's go. <laughs> We're going to go. Yeah, new life, maybe. <laughs> and um, I, we, we all planned to go to Sri Lanka for New Year, and mm-hmm. it had just been Christmas. And on the plane, everything was merry, everything was glorious, going for New Year, I think, 1999, it must have been. Mm-hmm. I literally can't do maths. <laughs> or 1998. Oh, God, I should know this. <laughs> And, oh my God, I really should know this. <laughs> it's fine, no judgment, no judgment. <laughs> it was a long time ago, no yeah, judgment. exactly, something or other. <laughs> and my, and yes, yeah, so we were, then had a car accident uh, from the journey in the airport mm-hmm. to our hotel where our uh, taxi driver, I've got four siblings, so I'm one of five, mm-hmm. and middle child, obviously, mm-hmm. the attention seeker. <laughs> and I um, basically, yeah, I remember the sort of bits and bobs of, being in and out of consciousness during this car accident. My Mm -hmm. dad was sitting in the front Mm -hmm. and our taxi driver had stopped off to um, ask a guard of another hotel where our hotel was. And during that time, even though his hazard lights were on, we were on the side of the road um, and it was a straight road, which is very significant because in court, obviously, that's like a thing. It's not around a corner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, All against you. yeah. Yeah. And this bus came careering down the road, mm-hmm. drunk driver, sort of swerving. And our taxi driver, who's also got five kids, oh, or five children, I should yeah. say, being British. <laughs> five, five kids. <laughs> um, but he obviously saw this about to happen yeah. and came to try and jump back into the taxi, but was too late and thrown back against the wall. And our van that we were in, which was a taxi, got mm-hmm. thrown 10 metres up into the air and then mm-hmm. crashed. And then... Um, my dad was pretty much instantly killed, yeah. uh, and we were all just really badly, badly injured. injured yeah. It was an absolute miracle that he was the only fatality. Um, no one in the bus died, um, also very lucky, but uh, some people, again, injured. But no one, I don't, obviously, as bad as us, because obviously mm-hmm. the impact. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a bus to van, <laughs> yeah. But really, I mean, it was a gruesome crash. Yeah. Um, and yes, from that moment onwards, my whole life changed. I've been yeah. fucking whirlwind. Yeah. Right, okay. So <laughs> to go from there, yeah. right. So then after that, so now you're in Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. 
What then happened then? So, so we were all, because my, um, I mean, there are so many different stories. Oh, my God. So yeah. basically, during, I think we were there. It's all This bit's all a bit blurry. And when guests speak to me on my podcast and say that these moments are blurry, that they talk about something traumatic, I just realised, speaking about this, that yeah. I now can relate. relate yeah, yeah, because it is, it does become a blur. And because you're young and everything's quite yeah. manic. Well, you don't understand. Yeah. You just see chaos. Yes, exactly. And my leg was so badly broken that they really wanted to amputate it. Mm. And um, luckily, um, my... And I had a head injury, which mm. well, you can see yes, my yeah, tea yeah, on my head. Yeah. Um, and uh, But I was definitely not the worst injured. Like, yeah. my mum and my big brother were really, really badly injured. My brother um, had a fractured skull. Oh. Um, and was in a coma for quite a bit. And that was very hit and miss. Mm. Um, And obviously I didn't know this at the time Mm -hmm. because we were all in these different hospitals and very sort of manic, crazy, um, you know, not the nicest hospitals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because that's 20 years ago Obvious, Yeah, Yeah. and also being in Sri Lanka, not the sort of wealthiest of countries. And so, um, you know, metal trays with kind of sand underneath them. Nothing very sterile. Not very sterile and uh, big bright lights and just, yeah, it was a pretty few different gruesome memories. As a seven-year-old, that must be so... The word is traumatic. Mm. Traumatic and just being in... So you, how many hospitals were you all dispersed around? Eventually, we all ended up in... So my mum, my brother, and I, and my big sister, eventually ended up in this room, big room, after these quite um, non... Not really sort of there-to-stay hospitals, if that makes sense. Okay. We were sort of passing through, but right. I don't think people knew where to place us. Mm-hmm. And um, there were quite a few of us, and all of us had varying injuries. So yeah. some were in trauma, my, yeah. like my brother, and then my dad obviously in a different hospital because he was dead. Mm-hmm. And then my mum was in a coma as well for a bit. Um, actually, a story that really sticks with me mm-hmm. is I in the first hospital, mm-hmm. so... We were all then put in passerby cars because no ambulances oh um, either didn't arrive on time yeah, or well, something. Yeah. And we were, I remember being in the back of a, there's so many different stories, I'm going on so many yeah. tangents. But I remember in the back of a car, um, my leg, my right leg was badly broken. And yeah. it was um, being, pr- like someone had obviously put it between my chest and my arm. So I was clutching oh, okay. onto yeah, it, yeah. like a bent sort of yeah, leg yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. And I couldn't see anything because my eyes were covered with my forehead. <laughs> your eyes were covered with your forehead? So, like, my forehead was, like, flopping down. What? Oh, because... Because of oh the, my yeah, God, the so skin. It, the skin. Oh, my God, you're coming, you're laughing. <laughs> oh, my God, your forehead, that's why... Yeah, yeah literally, it, literally, it was all, like, hanging off. Like a sun vine. Yeah. Like, on your eyes. <laughs> Fucking hell, girl. I know, yeah, it was really... Um, yeah, and I just yeah. remember obviously blood in my eyes, yes. and so I couldn't open my eyes. Mm-hmm. And and but I just remember trying to picture. So I didn't know what had happened. I'd been in and out of consciousness in the car, but I just remember trying to picture each one, each member of my family. Yeah. And I couldn't. I knew something bad had happened, but I didn't know what because I'd been asleep in the car anyway mm-hmm. when it happened. But I couldn't really picture my dad, and I remember mm-hmm. thinking. Why can't I picture him? Yeah, and where's dad? Yeah, yeah and where is he? And yeah, why, yeah. why? I'm praying for everyone else. Yeah. Why can't I pray for my dad? Yeah. And I just remember that being a really funny, weird, instinctive feeling that something was wrong with my dad. Yeah. So when we got to this first hospital, 
Another story was we were in, I was, I was lying next to my mum mm-hmm. as basically these women, so some of the nurses in the hospital yeah. were talking to, to themselves, obviously in a completely different yeah, language yeah. to what I can yeah, understand. You know, yeah. So slightly sort of um, scary not being able to communicate with someone. Yeah, yeah. And at this point I could see obviously my forehead being slightly cleaned up, mm. but they were trying to unbend my broken leg, yeah. which had about four fractures and yeah. bones sort of sticking out of the oh. femur. So it was really badly yeah. broken. So thank God I can't remember the pain. Yeah. But they were trying to pull it straight um, to undo my trousers. Right. And they were cutting my new flares that I just got for Christmas. And I remember, I remember being absolutely fuming. <laughs> Bitch, I was like, no fucking flares. Not the fucking flares. <laughs> It's like, babe. I was like, and actually, at the time, I called them bell bottoms. I was like, not the bell bottoms. Babe's priorities. Yeah, exactly. And they were putting my leg. My mum was next to me, but she was completely unconscious because mm-hmm. at this point, no one, this was the very, this was like the first yeah. straight Point after accident. There. Yeah. And loads of people were there. It wasn't just us. It was like a loads of people with loads of injuries, mm-hmm. fireworks injuries, like yeah. loads of people around. And... I was screaming because my leg hurt. So I turned to my mum and I was like, mum, mum. Yeah. And I remember, and I obviously didn't know the significance of this then, but mm-hmm. now it's massive. And for years it stuck with me knowing she was actually in a coma. Mm. But she started saying in a really sort of slurry voice because she was obviously in a coma, but she sounded drunk and mm-hmm. she was going, like, leave my daughter alone, leave her alone, yeah. leave her alone. Yeah. And, and it was really... And that made me worse because I was like, she's alive. Yeah, yeah. She's okay. <laughs> right, yeah. And then I was like, great, she's listening. She can hear me. Yeah. So I was like, mom, mom. Yeah. And she got taken away because she was like, girl, like trying to yeah. move. And and that was just her mother's instinct kicking it's, in. Just Even, the words out of my mouth. Even when she is literally actually on death's door, yeah. she's still fighting for her Still children fine. and protecting and yeah stuff. hair stand on edge oh my god it is yeah, literally like yeah fucking goosebumps i know <laughs> and then they she them. left and then luckily because we had quite a few ex-packed friends mm-hmm. who were also going to this party they'd been woken up at this point and there were a few people there and my old headmistress was there so she came and sort of um spoke to me for a bit um, but the whole thing's a bit of blood. We got taken to another hospital. Me and my big sister were in the same ambulance. And I just remember literally just seeing this huge... Because this part of her lip, which I'm describing, yeah. the bit that is um, the edge of her the lip. The corners yeah, of yeah. That was just ripped down. Oh so she had this kind of weird gash on like her a, face. Like a flapping, yeah. Yeah, and I wish I remember what we spoke about because I really don't, but I would have been... I would have loved to... I can't... I don't even know what we spoke about, no. but we were in the same ambulance yes. to go somewhere yeah. else. And then we got taken basically to this other place. And I, in my memory, it's just this dark room, but mm-hmm. it probably wasn't. Mm. But we were in this dark room. We were all on different trolleys mm. or these different beds. And this must <laughs> have... I literally don't know what to call it. And literally, it was like a trolley. Yeah, it was like no, a but tray. Probably, yeah, we can't imagine it probably was like a <laughs> it was fucking trolley. like a tray. Probably <laughs> didn't have a mattress on it. Christ. And... This must have been a bit of time later because my mum was conscious at this point. So this must have been, I don't know, days or or maybe a week. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I have a very vivid memory of one of our family friends. He leaned over to my mum and whispered in her ear, Peter didn't make it. And I don't know why that moment happened then because Mm. we were all being... I don't know the... 
in my mind, it's this dark room and we're all on these tray, trays being <laughs> taken to different places. Yeah. And I just remember her leaning over, him leaning over and whispering in her ear, yeah. Peter didn't make it and Peter was my dad. Yeah. And I remember my mum, I'm getting emotional now, yeah. I remember my mum just putting her hand to her mouth and just saying, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I know this was me fucking at grief case two weeks ago. Oh my God. And and things are for you as a this is stuck with you. Yeah. And as a child, uh, you're about to go through your own grief. Mm. But then to see for you to see mum have that news given to her. Yeah. And watch her watch her grief Sudden. begin then there. Her whole life her, just her whole life changed in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember going, what do you, like, I then was like, what do you mean? I heard you say that. What do you mean? And yeah. I, no one, no one listened to me. Yeah, I think I, no one's answering. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then next flashy memory is we're in this other hospital and she just was like, she just kept her, she was just in shock. Pure shock. And then the next hospital was, my mum was in a bed, it was me, and everyone else who injuries weren't as bad. Mm -hmm. So my younger brother and my younger sister were in a house with like a family friend. Okay. Um, the amazing family called the Edens, who they weren't family friends at the time, but they sort of totally took us yeah, under their wing. Yeah. And, sorry, thank you. It's okay. <laughs> we can let Still go. Still hand. Yeah. <laughs> hand is there for God, you I haven't thought about that in so long. No, that's okay. It's, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so then we were, and then my um, brother eventually, when he came out of his coma, came and joined us in that room. But we must have been there for a few weeks because yeah. my leg was really bad and they couldn't operate it, mm -hmm. operate on it because they just wanted to amputate it. Mm. And we had to then eventually fly to Great Ormond Street in London for them to operate on it. Right. Um, but anyway, so me and my mum were in this hospital for quite a long time together in this room and that had mattresses, that had <laughs> nurses. We've been upgraded. Yeah. <laughs> Big time upgrade. <laughs> nice food. Yeah. And although I didn't eat, I had a, one of those yeah, drip things, but yeah. yeah. And my, I just asked my mum almost every day. I would ask my mum, where's dad? And she would say, in my mind, way too quickly, um, he's sleeping. He's sleeping. Oh. Where? And she'd go, in another hospital. And I just remember saying, how do you know he's always sleeping? Mm, yeah. You don't always sleep. Yeah. You have to wake like, up. Like, it's the middle of the day. Dad, how yeah. do you know he's sleeping? And thinking, I've never, I like, just thinking about what that must have felt like for her. Yeah. To have to tell, she's not yet really absorbed this herself. And then having to white lie to her and child and as well her, her children are yeah. all poorly as well mm. she's she's trying to survive yeah she's trying to survive yeah she's looking at her little baby girl how do I tell this baby girl her yeah. dad's died yeah if I can for a little while longer feed her a little white lie yeah just to keep her at bay exactly why not exactly and the thing is she obviously didn't know that I'd seen this moment of course yeah um, so I kind of had prepared, not you can't prepare yourself to actually mm -hmm. hear that news, mm -hmm. but I had prepared myself somewhat to the fact that dad probably had died. Mm -hmm. And so when my mum eventually did tell my sister, my mum told my big brother on his own, he actually had some bizarre dream moment where he woke up from his coma 
having known dad was dead. Yeah. It's like a sixth sense. Yeah, yeah. Sixth sense, yeah. It's, he had it's this, mental. Yeah, he had this very... We actually recently spoke about it over Christmas because mm. he's very much more close than I mm-hmm. am about yeah. sort of talking yeah. about his grief and mm-hmm. dad. And, yeah, I was like, is that true that, that, that you had that? And he was like, yeah, it is. And he had this dream where dad had basically, in his coma, obviously, mm. where dad had basically, um, it's that very classic sort of bright light situation. And, yeah, yeah. and him, you know, wanting to... And there is also near-death experience moments like yeah, that yeah. to do with, you know, whatever that is, mm-hmm. lack of oxygen or whatever yeah, it is, yeah, or yeah. afterlife, mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, you're touching on the afterlife, yeah. But he might have had that because he did very, yeah. I think, probably die at some stages during mm, this yeah. episode and um, coming back to life. But he, um, yeah, dad was like, you're not coming with me. Oh, my God. It's not your time. You're not coming with me. Because he was like, Dad, wait up for me. And he was like, you're not not coming with me. You're not coming. You're staying. So when William woke up, he knew that Dad had died. And I think that might have even been, I mean, I hope I'm not wrong in saying this because I don't want to quote him on this, but I think that was the first thing that he said when he woke up. Mm. Um, But anyway, so going back to how Mum told me and my big sister who was in the hospital. She'd broken her collarbone and had her lip thing. Um, So, like, manageable stuff, so she could walk around. Um, And obviously, she hadn't had any idea that this was Mm. um, a thing. Like, she hadn't... So, sis didn't hear... She hadn't heard what I heard, heard. yeah. And so, mum told us, and I remember Rhiannon, mum crying. (laughs) I haven't thought about this in ages. And then I remember Rhiannon just, um, yeah, like screaming um she must have been nine okay and she was just like a really loud cry and then I started and I'm mental now thinking back to it but I was kind of going I don't know what sound I was making but I just Mm -hmm. remember I had this weight on my leg to Mm -hmm. stop it from being moved and to keep it straight and I was moving I was bashing it up and down um so, yeah, and then I remember the nurses, I think, coming in just to stop me from doing you, yeah, that. Stop, yeah. But the pain that that must have caused. But at the time, I didn't even care it's like, or it's think like about it. It's isn't it? You yeah. You, it's not like you have this super scion strength of, like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. And, like, nothing... It's like when I spoke to Clara Ampho on my mm. podcast and she said this noise just came out of her when she, like a noise she didn't even know she, she had, had inside her. Yeah, and I wasn't making that noise, but I was making it through my body. But yeah. my big sister was making this, yeah. this noise. And then my mum was just on the yeah. edge of the bed, just holding us mm-hmm. both. Um, so that, yeah, that was, the, that was, that was that moment. The definitive moment. Yeah. No, and then, <laughs> if this can... Things started to go a bit up, not in, like, dad sense, but we then eventually... Because mum told us, obviously, when we were a bit more healed Mm -hmm. physically. Um, And then we all got uh, flights back from... So they wouldn't operate on my leg, and my big brother had this terrible head injury. He Mm. actually came later, because I think the air pressure would have been too much for his brain at the time. But we... And me and my big brother eventually ended up at Great Ormond Street Hospital for a few weeks. Um, And... Great. They're um shout out, by the yeah. way, to Great Ormond Street Hospital. They are unbelievable. I mean, they are unreal. Mm. My big sister is a doctor because of Aww. everything. Yeah, and because of Great Ormond Street. Even though she wasn't there, yeah. she just saw how so touched by ama- it. Yeah. And oh even the what they done for her family. Yeah, even the doctors and nurses in Sri Lanka, like yeah. amazing. And then yeah, we got 
so the flight was a public flight, mm -hmm. but because of our injuries, we literally got um, like uh, mattresses put on top of seats. So we had oh. these like beds. I know, quite an exciting Bougie. experience. Yeah, I know. For like children being like, oh, yeah, this is better than first class. Yeah, yeah. I'll take this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we stayed. So my grandparents, my my grandmother, my nine, as we mm -hmm. say in Welsh, wow. she'd, she's my mum's mum. And so mm -hmm. she'd come to obviously help out in Sri Lanka. And then she flew with us to Great Ormond Street Hospital. Mm -hmm. And then what happened is we went to go and live with her in Wales, in North Wales, with my grandfather, who we called Tide, mm -hmm. which is Welsh for grandfather. And um, life really took a very different turn like mm. I was a Hong Kong kid through and yeah, through yeah. I was used to the city mm. I spoke in an American international dialect yeah. I, I was not used to being by the sea yeah. or sheep greenery or greenery or <laughs> like literally no greenery yeah or Welsh, like we spoke Welsh with mm -hmm. my mum, but being around people who had different accents yeah. and who spoke that as their first yeah. language yeah. and I, I couldn't write it so the school was very different and you know, I had to wear silicon on my head because mm. of my keloid scarring and crutches. I was in a wheelchair for a bit. So it was this very sudden change. Yeah. And I think, speaking of grief, I think what happened for me was because of not just losing my dad and that absolute trauma of the situation of losing him so quickly, but also the physical trauma that went with that, mm. even though I was very lucky and very so fortunate to have such loving wonderful grandparents mm. and a very cozy safe space yeah. to start again mm -hmm. and to live life you know north wales is a very cozy very <laughs> safe wholesome Lovely. place yeah. and i was very lucky in that sense but the change was so drastic mm -hmm. and so dramatic. I didn't realize how much that affected me yeah. until later on in life. Yeah. And I remember walking around. Um, so I think everything basically has its place within what then became mm -hmm. like a super intense feeling of grief and feeling traumatized um, was this sort of complete upheaval even though it was, as I say, a lovely, yeah. loving environment. But you're grieving for your life that you had before. Exactly. You're I grieving was, for... Yeah. I was grieving for like... dad in it. Grieving for a life before that, that's all you knew. Yeah. And it was... Got double whammy. Exactly. That's what I mean. <laughs> double whammy. It's this like so many whammies. And also people I loved in Hong Kong. Exactly. We had... It sounds so ridiculously privileged to say and it, it is very privileged. <laughs> but loads of people in Hong Kong have drivers and au pairs mm -hmm. from Philippines. Yes. It's like a very... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound Common thing. Bizarre. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's the... Um, it's not like doing it in London where yeah. it's really expensive. It's... Yeah. For some reason, life everyone's paid more okay because there's less tax, yes, and that's just that. like a bizarrely normal thing. Oh, okay. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, weird. Yeah. And now I look back, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, we're again, living the life. That was your that was your normal. <laughs> that was that my was normal. normal. Yeah. And Lena and Ray were basically my second parents, oh. and they were married, and they're Filipino um, couple who now have an amazing adopted daughter, and I've gone to visit them, which was the most close closure healing experience ever yeah. in Philippines but I loved them I loved them yeah. and so I lost them having to leave them I lost again. them as well and it was like you're just taking I lost after loss after three loss. parents yeah and um yeah I think it was just not to you know self-pity moment but I think it was just a lot of loss mm -hmm. in one very Short, quick yeah. moment and I used to walk around my nine's garden and I used to I mean, I laugh, I laugh because I don't laugh. I mean, it's it's just quite sweet, but also yeah. really tragic. <laughs> like I used to walk around and I'd 
genuinely think that this whole thing might be a dream. Yeah. So I would close my eyes and I would say the weirdest thing. I'd be like, okay, dream. I'm ready to wake up now. Yeah. Thank you so much for letting me have like a year with my grandparents. Yeah. And loved it. Loved it. This is great, but time, time I yeah. wake up. a bit bored now. Yeah. And then I'd pinch myself really, really hard yeah. and I'd be ready to wake Come up. On, yeah. I'd just be ready to wake up in my bed in Hong Kong. Yeah. And I had this fantasy. And obviously every time I opened my eyes, I like, was in Wales. I'm fucking here still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking here still in my nanny's garden. Yeah. Life is shit. Yeah. But yeah. No, but I've then, had many moments like that where you think, yeah, yeah no, it's this all, is a yeah. fucking dream. Exactly. This is a dream. And I think that's really, now I speak to other people. Mark Mallet Brown, who came onto my podcast, he used to dream have this fantasy as well that his dad was on some secret mission and they hadn't actually died. Mm-hmm. And I've had that as well. And it's obviously a very normal reaction to grief yeah. and to loss and to change and all of that. And it, what's really funny is I used to wake up and... Um, wake up, sorry. I used to open my eyes after pinching myself. I didn't wake up. <laughs> <laughs> I was very much awake. Always very much awake. <laughs> and I used to open my eyes and I'd be like, okay, dream. <laughs> You won again this time. <laughs> oh my god! I'll get you next time. <laughs> oh my god! I In I, a way, I it's so like, like it's so sad, but at the same time, it's like <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. It's, just, it's, it's fucking <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, and it's just like it's just it's your coping mechanism of yeah. being like, I'm gonna get your dream. <laughs> I, you're strong, yeah. but I, one day yeah. I'll be stronger. <laughs> you work hard, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh bless you yeah and so that was where and anyway amazing and then cut to so ended up um moving to england Mm -hmm. my mum was never she got out of wales as soon as she could but she was tempted to stay because obviously her life was so changed and Mm -hmm. she was terrified with five children under the age of 10 how the fuck am i going to afford these children how am i going to give them the life that i could have given them or their dad could have also given them luckily my mum always worked yeah um, but obviously now this was like up 20 gears. Like she mm-hmm. had to basically, well, this is what she felt and what she did, but sort of sell her soul to like corporate law for a bit yeah. and then just really trying to keep everything well, afloat. Make ends but meet. Make ends meet at the same time as giving us the life that she thought our father could have also given mm-hmm. us. So she put this huge amount of pressure on herself um, to which I will be like, words cannot even begin mm-hmm. to thank. Yeah. Um, but you know, she's just like, well, I'm your mum. But to me, it's just like, you're a fucking angel. You're a fucking icon. <laughs> yeah. You're a fucking icon. Yeah. Literally all mums. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Well, not yeah. obviously all mums, but most mums. Most like, mums, yeah. Are just the most. To go through what she went through. And obviously that is just mother since, you know, you, you, she's got five kids to look after. Yeah. Um, she has to get up and go. Unfortunately, she can't sit, not saying the word wallow, but she can't sit and just you know just be yeah she's got kids to provide for and it's like you're a fucking gangster yeah gangster gangster like, gangster shit mom. she doesn't also <laughs> realize she's a feminist icon like she hates the word feminist but what she does because she's of that generation <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, like yeah. feminism are <laughs> like angry yeah angry hairy. women who hate men <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like mum, you are mom, a, the biggest <laughs> feminist of all time <laughs> Like everything you do <laughs> yeah. falls into feminism. Yeah. <laughs> then so we moved, and then um I think what happened to me was after we moved from Wales, even during Wales, what because everything was so crazy, we didn't 
dad was always kept alive, mm-hmm. always. Yeah. He would be in stories, we would reminisce, and my l- younger brother found this very difficult because he was three when my dad died. So mm-hmm. he was like, I don't have any conscious memories. Yeah, and so that he'd find that hard. And later on in life, he'd sort of leave the room if we were speaking about dad, which I sort of noticed, be- and I think my mum probably noticed because yeah. to him... Especially, I guess, that sort of father-son thing. My mum never went on a date again. She's never remarried. She's yeah. just not interested. Yeah. At the time, she had too much to even oh, I mean, deal with. <laughs> it sounds like she ain't got the time for yeah. a man. And she actually said something once, which was just... I once asked her, because I've... You know, speaking of my podcast, Daddy Issues, mm-hmm. I've, I've very much had them unconsciously for so long. I've, You know, until recently, and also periods of time in my 20s, mm-hmm. I was very attached to having a relationship with a man. Mm-hmm. Um I think somewhat for the comfort reasons and then it became a sort of self-worth attachment Mm -hmm. and um and a male love and a male seeking love even though it's obviously a very different Mm -hmm. version of love but that kind of embrace from a man for me was like I craved it yeah and my mum so that for me was always very important so when I saw my mum um obviously not having that when I got to a certain age I can't remember must be maybe 22 I said you know mum if you ever want to move on or to explore that side of your life, like don't ever hold back because of us. Mm. This is your life. Mm. And it's not, you don't have to look after us anymore. Like you're still our mum, but we're adults. We're we're young adults, but we're adults now. And she just said, do you know what, Angharad? I love someone who's not here. And that now obviously as a 28-year-old, you know, trying to find my future husband, <laughs> if you're out there, <laughs> if you're she's single and she's hot. <laughs> and I've sorted through my daddy issues, I promise. No baggage, no promise. Baggage. <laughs> um, but that for me was just like, okay. That's fine. She's doing her. And there's this expectation to have a relationship. And I do think as human beings, we are... You know, that is a huge part of how we find Mm -hmm. love and happiness. and and, peace. Yeah, yeah, and peace and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Um, Having that partner in crime and having that confidant and having that sexual partner. But if that's not what she wants to do, then she is doing her and... And if she's completely fine with it. Exactly. to say otherwise. Exactly. And I think I've come around to that now. But when I was younger, I didn't quite realise. I thought, you know, you should be with someone because... I, you know, especially as a mm. child with a single parent, you worry so much about them yeah. um, being alone, mm. even though she's very lucky she's got five children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because hopefully that means she's never going to yeah. be alone. But at the same time, even with my four siblings, I feel sometimes that guilt of just, you just get single parent guilt. You do. Oh, I'm feeling it right now. Yeah, yeah. You do. You do. You just think it's in a way it's like yeah we don't need to pressure them and to be like yeah find somebody else and find somebody new and whatever but it's that guilt it's but in a way it's like will they ever find anything like it yeah you know what I mean and it seems very much like your mum is I think she knows she'll never find anything like it. It's sort mm. of why I go searching. Mm. And in a way, that sounds quite um, sounds quite negative, but I think it's where, you know, you're certain in yourself that yeah. I had a love that was so electric and so fucking amazing. Mm. I don't need to go looking. Yeah. And she's got her five kids from that love. Yeah. Exactly. So she will always have a bit of that love she had across five of you. 
<laughs> I know. That's five of you. So, like, she's got a bit of your dad in all of you. Yeah, that's so nice. She's set for life. Yeah, she really is. <laughs> and I genuinely, every bit of success I have is is not just for her, but majority for her. Yeah. Like, big time. She's going to have a sweet retirement. I tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Between us five, one of us, <laughs> surely. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Someone's got Sarah. Someone's got to, you know. <laughs> she's had five children for, you know, she's got to have a good... Good life. At, yeah. s- at some stage, she can stop working and all of that. But yeah. she's yet to get to that stage. But I think it's just that kind of, yeah, that was so beautiful what you just said. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> no, but it is, you know, like, um, I'm trying to think in in other aspects of people who I've known who have had, even like with my dad, like, so my parents were split mm-hmm. and their breakup was very messy. Dad wasn't faithful. So's dad to <laughs> out you. <laughs> <laughs> But even my dad, like, when my mum died, my dad was in the Caribbean burying his own mum. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when my dad called me, it was on his birthday, bless him. So my mum died the day after his birthday. I was like, mum, you did that on purpose. You did that on fucking purpose to ruin his birthday for the rest of his life. So How now, did your mum die? She had a heart attack. She had a heart attack. Yeah, Gosh, so she, really freak accident yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, she went on the 24th of June, the heart attack, died the 25th of June, the morning. Wow. So on dad's birthday, she went in. I'll never forget my dad calling me from the Caribbean. I remember that for me was thinking back on it now. I was very traumatized because the way I was, the way how cut off I was. Mm. I think, oh my god, that was. I think for my dad, that was quite harsh of me. But so he called me. News had got over to the Caribbean, and he'd gone, Amber, tell me it's not true. Tell me it's not true. I said, Mum's dead. And the again the whale I heard from That's, my it's dad. It's a whale. It's a whale. That's it. The wail I heard from my dad, I remember I went, I can't deal with this, and hung up the phone. But even now, I think my dad is searching for bits of my mum and other women. Right. And as of current day, he's sort of going through some stuff right now. He's feeling, he's sort of, because I live with him, but I'm in between him and and my boyfriend's house and whatnot like that. Mm -hmm. But the other day he called me and he went, can you stay at home a bit more? And I said, yeah, Dad, like, I always try to, but, like, my work is, like, a 40-minute drive from home, so it's easier to stay at my partner's house and whatnot like that. I said, is everything okay? And he said, yeah, just feeling a bit lonely. And my child guilt went through the fucking roof. Oh. And it's like... And I'm thinking... And I'm, and I'm sitting here thinking, he's 
I think he's his his grief is coming up again, and then his yeah. grief and his guilt as well. And I think he knows he'll never find that love again. Yeah. But he says to me all the time, me and to very much talk about mum and thing like that, but he says like your mum will always live through you and your brother. So I I will always have a piece of your mum. Yeah. You and your brother. He was like, You are just like your mum. <laughs> are you? Yeah. He's like fucking rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's hard for them. Yeah. It's really hard for them. And um when you in my early days, especially of my own grief, I just thought me and my grief, me and my grief, that's all that matters. And then when you look at the people in your life and they're, especially me and my brother, for a long time I looked at my brother and I thought, you're not grieving like me. You're moving on way quicker than me and whatnot. Um, but, oh, fuck Did you was, resent him for that? Big time. Really? Me and him butted heads like you wouldn't believe. Only just recently we were really like repatching, repatching and wow, stuff like that. Wow, yeah. Um, now do you see it as, because grief is so individual. Exactly. It, I that's it was not very, the right word. But, no, 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 but it is. Yeah. For a long while I thought, me and you are both siblings and we both lost our mum, so why are we not on the same wavelength? Why are we not on the same page? We're grieving for the same role model in our life, but you're acting way different than me. Why is this? And it's like, you're on two different grief journeys. Although it's for yeah. the same person... Yeah. And they gave you the same love and everything like that. You're on two different journeys. And it took me a long while to be able to look at the people in my life, dad, brother, whatever, and actually be like, you're on a different journey to me. And that's fine. Yeah. And it's fine. Mm. And also doing this podcast, you're going to see that even more, Mm. all these different journeys. I'm excited to sort of interview my siblings just to have kind of knowledge of their different... Because I... Mm -hmm of their different experiences of grief because I have noticed obviously different things. Mm-hmm. I've seen different coping mechanisms. Yeah. Mechanisms. My sister, for example, my big sister, who's featured a lot on this podcast episode, mm-hmm. but she um, she became very sort of right. And this is the thing, like what's nature, what's nurture, or what's, ex- what's experience, mm-hmm. you know, and what's you coping with something. Yeah. Like, Obviously, we were all so young. We mm-hmm. didn't even know who we really were before. Yeah. But she promised herself that, and now obviously that was a huge coping mechanism to control a situation she felt out of control. Mm-hmm. But she said, every night I'm going to read before I go to bed. And every single night she has she read. We've been to festivals together, getting home at like 5 a.m. in the freaking tent. She pulls out a magazine <laughs> article. <laughs> Dedication. I'm literally like, put that down. Fuck's <laughs> it. You're steaming drunk. Yeah, like, put it down. Exactly. And she's like, no, I'm reading. And she's just got this. I and then she became. She's a very high achiever, and she's mm-hmm. very dedicated yeah. and very focused and very self-disciplined. Um, self-disciplined. Yeah. And I. That's usually the people who I interview on my podcast are usually these people who in something traumatic, we'll go, right, poof, okay, I'm yeah. going to put all my energy here. Mm-hmm. And I think she did that. Whereas I think I went into <laughs> <laughs> complete kind of, help me. Somebody, please. Somebody save me. <laughs> and I became self-destructive, but it mm. all happened gradually. There are so many stages of grief. Mm-hmm. And to sum it up is, is mental, because I, I was fully grieving in my earlier 20s which I'll tell you about in a minute, but my first point, I think, when my grief really showed itself mm. was age um, 
14. Mm. So we'd, I then went to a um, boarding school where my mum also, I recently had a conversation with her about this yeah. and it broke her heart. Broke I begged her. to go to boarding school. I was at a day school and okay. we were all going to go to, basically my dad went to a boarding school. Mm-hmm. My mum was state educated in, in Wales her whole life and actually said no to going to Oxford because she mm. hated the sort of elitism that went and she was at, yes. applied to it just to see if she could. <laughs> yeah. And then was like, I can still fucking do and it. now I say no. And she went to Abydos within Wales. But like, oh, she, yeah, she's fucking amazing. <laughs> but she, but then ironically married my dad who was this like public school, yeah. um, Oxford yeah, University. Yeah, so I like, love the complete, the, complete the, the thing that she thought she hated. Yeah. Um, but we actually, all our godparents clubbed together and knew that mum would have to work her socks off mm. to sort of fund us all, as well as the fact that they knew that my dad wanted us to go to the school that he went to, which was this boarding school called Marlborough College mm-hmm. in Wiltshire. And so they all had this like secret meeting and decided to pay for our school Clubs fees. Yeah, which obviously is so lucky and amazing. Yeah. And my mum was like, I mean... She wanted us to stay, yeah. but she knew that it was probably the right decision mm-hmm. for us to have this life that she thought my dad also wanted for us. Yeah. At the time, we went in London, so obviously commuting to London every morning to work was also crazy. It yeah. was like a two-hour drive every way. Yes, yeah, so my mum was really like, you know, living. She was, you know, there's. I don't want to say that we, you know, we lived a great life yeah. and we were very lucky in many ways, but obviously everything's relative. And my mum fully sold her soul and her life yeah. for us mm. for so long. Yeah. Um, anyway, whilst I was having a very nice time at boarding school, living my best life, I was like, I love this. I wake every, I wake up every day and I'm with friends. <laughs> Great. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> but I'd like literally jump out of bed. I had the best time at my prep yeah. school, which is what the school before. And then you say, take common entrance. And then I go to this like senior school, yeah. which is then the school that my dad went to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think things came a bit crumbling down mm-hmm. for me because as a child, what I must have done, and I've realized this now, is I obviously got, even though my dad died, he didn't choose to leave, mm-hmm. but I must have got some sort of like abandonment issue. Feeling, yeah. yeah. Because I became like the biggest people pleaser of all time. Like mm-hmm. nothing was ever an issue. Nothing was, was a too problem. Much. Nothing was too much. I definitely do what someone else wanted to do above what I wanted to mm-hmm. do. I would definitely be just like a classic people yeah. pleaser, but at the same time, always very positive. Mm. Like I didn't want negativity, yeah. even though I would cry at night on mm. my own. So yeah. I lived this double life. Oh, it's a facade, isn't yeah. it? You're waking up in school, great, happy, dandy, and then it's when you're with your own feelings in your own head and it's take the mask off, let's really feel what I yeah. want to feel. And I must have fully been grieving without knowing I was grieving. Subconsciously, yeah. Yeah, and then, long story short, I had a great time until aged 14 where we had to go back to Sri Lanka um, for this horrible court case, which Mm. is, by the way, still continuing. But anyway, that's a whole other... um, But it was the first time that I had to face Mm. what had happened to me seven years before, Mm. six and a half years before. And I think up to that moment, I was in coping mechanism of... Genuinely living my best life. Like, I was having a dreamy, <laughs> wonderful time at school. And I fucking loved yeah. my friends. I loved my life. Loved I, had, life. I had a great time. I also had the, you know, the wonderful thing of ignorance and innocence. and Ignorance is other, Yeah, and other than obviously, you know, losing my dad, I I had a great life. Yeah. And... Um, so it's interrupted your life now. Yeah, and... so this suddenly was like, okay, so I've got to face this thing. 
that actually yeah. happened. And I remember at boarding Again, school... it wasn't a dream. It wasn't yeah. a dream. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I literally would go down... I keep saying literally. I would go downstairs. <laughs> you could cut out any literally. <laughs> I hate the way I see so... <laughs> I hate <laughs> but anyway so I'd go downstairs I'd sneak downstairs at night so this was at school sneak downstairs at night and I'd start writing on the sort of house computers what I entitled very sort of cringeworthingly my story and what it was it was everything I remembered from mm-hmm. this event and obviously again at the time a total subconscious grieving mm-hmm. the first time I think my grief showed its face to me rather than it just being down here in the mm-hmm. pit of my stomach yeah. and coming up every now and then it would actually like I had to do something about yeah. this feeling so I started writing down what had happened everything I could remember how I felt during it and then I stopped eating so mm. I started I mean I genuinely food tasted like cardboard in my mouth yeah Rice, I remember rice just tasting like nothing. Oh, my gosh. And I stopped eating. And I, I mean, I ate three meals a day, but, I mean, so small. Yeah, you and ate just to live. I just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just get by. Yeah, and I developed, obviously, again, didn't know at the time, an eating disorder. Mm. And I became so thin because I wasn't, I wasn't, I was already quite slim. Mm. And I literally looked like a skeleton. Oh, my God. And I arrived in Sri Lanka to meet me and my mum and my little brother and little sister went first for the court week and then my big brother and big sister didn't want to be there for that so they joined us in the holiday week because my mum wanted to make this more of not just a black mark in our in our memory she Mm. wanted to try and turn Sri Lanka into somewhere where we had some sort of happiness because it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful beautiful place with amazing people and she wanted that side to be tarnished forever Yeah. yeah and I arrived and I think my mum, again, it's quite funny, dark humour was just like one fucking problem at a time. <laughs> she was like, I'm not dealing with this right now. My daughter has please, arrived please. like a fucking skeleton. and But I have to deal with this court case. Yeah, yeah. So, got to do court case. <laughs> daughter looks like a skeleton. Yeah. Everything happens in threes. What yeah. fucking next? She's like, oh God. I can't. Anyway, so I remember this moment happening. I'm... It is, there's so much to say and I'm probably babbling away too much. No, but I remember this moment happening where I obviously wasn't eating the fucking amazing coconut flan that was given <laughs> to us every night, which I was genuinely... I'm now, like, so in regret. It looks I, I should have eaten that fucking coconut flan. flan. <laughs> it looks so it good. delicious. <laughs> and I was so picky about food. Anyway, yeah. and then the court case all happened and, you know... Yeah, yeah. bit heavy. And then the next week, my brother and sister arrived... Then I remember one meal, we were about to all sit down and I went to the loo and I was wearing this sarong and I'd found this kind of trendy way to wear it <laughs> on like one of my friends yeah. had shown me. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I was quite tanned because mm. I get quite tanned and I was just going to maybe sound really bad, but I just remember thinking I look like a child from that you see in no, the you, newspaper. That you see on like um, children and things yeah, like that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Because my arms were so thin, my yeah. lost all my boobs yeah. and... I just look like a skeleton. Not as bad as I maybe, not as bad as you see, you know. No, like, but yeah, but you're looking at yourself. I was like, oh. this is not me. Mm. And I knew this wasn't me. It's I very knew something moment. was wrong. Mm. And I took my mum to one side and I just said, Mum, I think I'm getting a problem mm. with food. And she obviously was playing it cool mm. and was going, okay, so. 
what do you think we need to do about it? And I was like, well, I think I should probably try and start eating. And she was like, that's good. So she was like, great. This is, and in her mind, probably going, Fucking hell. How do I deal with this? Like, what am I supposed to say? Do I say the right? How do I Uh deal with, like, Mm -hmm. anorexia is a disease. Yes. And so, like, and she'd known about it because my dad's sister was anorexic. And so so she had some sort of ground. She knew that it was, like, quite an evil disease that can take over your mind. Mm -hmm. And that meal, you know, she's there passing me the rice, and I'm going, nah. Like, because yeah. straight, even though there's a part of me going, I know I, really I need want to, to. Yeah, I, I want, should. But then there's the anorexia going, no, no you're not, you're not eating that. that. So then I had anorexia for about a year. <laughs> so that happened. <laughs> so that happened. <laughs> My poor mum. That broke us, I think, mm. more than everything because it was like a living nightmare. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky that I was so determined. The rational part of me mm-hmm. was so determined to get better. My mum is incredible. She basically was like tough love. She was like, you're going to the Priory yeah. or you're going to an institution. If you don't get better, that's what's happening. Yeah. And obviously that's not what I wanted because mm-hmm. I had a pretty traumatic experience there, yeah. but it did. It worked out well because I didn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, I've always felt like I wasn't supposed to be here yeah. i was like i'm not I, I should i'm not one of no. you which sounds so bad no, sometimes it is that's the reality of if you're amongst people like say you are amongst people who do have a drink problem you know some people you hear stories people going to like aa and they're looking across the room they're like i know someone who did it and they were like this ain't me yeah this ain't me and sometimes just that is the biggest wake up call oh my god because there were these like 40 something year old women walking around with lollipop heads and i was like that's not me I'm not going to be like that. That's not me. And I and I just knew I was breaking up the family because mm. it's a vicious disease and you act like an absolute twat. Mm. But then it's also so sad because, you know, you're, you're so depressed and you're so sad mm. and that's really what is making you What's act like a vile on? person yeah. as well. So I felt very depressed, somewhat suicidal. Mm-hmm. Didn't ever think about doing it, but I did think, why am I... I'm not giving anyone any I've joy. I've got a purpose. Yeah. yeah. And I just thought, maybe I should go join my dad. Maybe I should just go and, mm-hmm. you know... This will all go away. Yeah, and I was just so low. Yeah. And luckily, I didn't do anything about it. And I didn't really have those thoughts. They just brushed my mind. And I, and I just thought, I'm a nuisance to everyone. I'm causing more pain yeah, for my family. But really what that was, so I then was treated for anorexia nervosa and I wasn't treated for grief. Mm. And I think that's what now, obviously on reflection, I actually realised this all in my earlier 20s when I really, really grieved, 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 grieved over, I mean, it was overwhelming, like privately, but I'd be driving in my car. My dad grew up in London. I'd be driving. So this is years later. Mm. Never relapsed with anorexia. I was very much like been and gone. Yeah. Don't have a problem with food now. I've never since, like, Maybe. it's just been, I was very lucky for that reason. Claps for that. <laughs> but anyway, so when I started grieving again, very consciously, so that was my first sort of moment of mm-hmm. grief that was conscious yeah. as a child, cut to my earlier 20s, super grieving as a sort of mid 20 year old. And I would be driving to, because I was an actress, side hustles, mm-hmm. tutoring. Mm-hmm. So driving to tutoring in the morning from Brixton to Notting Hill, where I'd tutor. And I'd see the most beautiful sunrises. Mm-hmm. And I just would see the um, red buses, obviously, that we have in London. And my dad grew up in London. And I think, I just burst into like hysterical mm-hmm. tears. Because I think, 
why am I here seeing this? This is his turf. Yeah. He should be here. And he was seeing these before me. And I got some sort of guilt for being alive, Mm -hmm. even though I just was in such... It's that pain that I'm sure you know, Mm -hmm. and anyone listening who's grieved or grieving, absolute helplessness Mm -hmm. over a situation of knowing you're never going to see this person ever again. Mm -hmm. Ever, ever, ever. Obviously, afterlife, whatever you believe in that, but physically on this planet right now in this world... You, you're not, you can't touch them. You can't get, to, I, what pained me the most is I didn't know him. I like mm. knew a bit of him, but yeah. not really. I didn't know you him. You didn't get to know the bits. Of yeah. yeah. And I think. It's very solid, isn't it? It's a very solid feeling. Yes. And you can't sugarcoat it. You can't, you know, people say, yeah, I'll, I'll see you in the afterlife. I'll see you and then, but very solid that in mm. this lifetime, in your lifetime, everything that's going to come forward in, into your life blessings that we hope um they're not going to be there for it yeah and uh, you can't sugarcoat it you literally there's that's it absolutely <laughs> nothing and I think you can do and i think that's at some as a stage of grief of where you can either let it break you i say let it make you break it or make you but you've got to come to fucking terms with it and this is the thing you really do but you have you have your own journey yeah and i, I definitely was escaping for much of my teenagehood, partying <laughs> and like no drink, here. drinking too much, <laughs> distracting myself with yes, men. Yes. A bit of a mess, actually, on the inside. And then in my 20s, early 20s, mid 20s, grief hit me like a fucking yeah, lead I balloon. <laughs> is that the right word? <laughs> I don't know if that's the right We'll phrase. go with that. We like yeah. lead balloon. <laughs> and I started writing. Yeah. I started writing it, what felt like screaming mm-hmm. inside, but writing furiously in yeah. like Pizza East, I remember doing it in. <laughs> and I would do that. And it was my way of, and that's where I clicked that my anorexia was never body dysmorphia. It was... It became body dysmorphia, but it wasn't at the time. It was absolute grief. And mm. I, this was coming, face. yeah, and this was coming back up because this was a new stage in my life. And um, it was a new stage of grief. And I faced it in a way that I hadn't done before. And it took a few years. Mm. But I then enrolled in psychotherapy after like now a year ago, after, you know, a relationship with a man, which made me realise that I needed to really... I thought I'd sort my, I'd sorted myself yeah. out with grief and with my, in inverted commas, daddy issues, because mm-hmm. obviously that comment, <laughs> that comment goes for boys and girls. Boys and girls definitely, have daddy issues. Definitely. But that made me realise, oh, my God, I haven't sorted shit out. Yeah. I really need to go and talk to someone else because at the moment all I can do is work within my own narrative and mm-hmm. my own experience, and I probably need someone else. Firstly, I was screaming to talk to someone anyway, yeah. but I also probably need someone else to teach me something that I don't know yeah. about a life or my perspective because we all develop a narrative, mm-hmm. and that narrative can be very dangerous because what it does it completely restricts and um molds and fabricates things in life because you're seeing something through a particular lens and i think i lived in the lens of victimhood for a very long Mm -hmm. time for various reasons which i won't go into it's just so too long probably (laughs) this is the thing there's so much to say (laughs) no but as in coming out of victimhood i like literally felt like i was awake again Mm. and it's that thing of owning your because obviously it's shit when something shit happens to you. But at the same time, what's not going to help you, you can wallow, that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. And you can grieve and you can feel fucking shit and you can scream and shout and do what the hell you want. But feeling like a victim is never going to help you. No. 
it's actually all it's going to do is bring on self-pity, yeah. bring on, which we're all allowed to feel sometimes, yeah. but going forward, enough is enough. Yeah. Going forward. I've had my pity party. Yeah. I don't want to live like this. Yeah. 100%. And that's when I think in grief you can make a change. And that's when I've made a change with grief. Yeah. And then also then decided to start a podcast, not just talking about grief, but, you know, yeah. that comes up a yeah. lot. Go into that. Let's go. Let's go into that. <laughs> issues. Perfect time to go into it. Yeah, go on. Tell, tell us how where So you went from realising, I can 100% believe that there is, there is, fucked as it sounds, positivity in grief. 1,010 fucking percent. Oh, my God. Couldn't... I mean, grief can... Firstly, we're all going to have it one day. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, some people at different stages yeah. in their life, yeah. and that can be, like, incredibly significant for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But we're all going to experience we're it. somebody, yeah. Yeah. And having... What grief can often do, I think, is... I mean, there are so many different things, mm-hmm. but it can push you to, firstly, being more empathetic, a, a more well-rounded, yeah. emotionally intelligent person. Mm-hmm. Why well, I also think it does, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I'm anyway quite sort of secretly spiritual. But if you're not, I think what it does is it literally forces you. It does to, taps into yeah, it big it, time. You're wanting to find. Yeah. You think of it in a way that you might not have ever have thought because this you're like, where is that? Where, yeah. where are they? Where yeah. are they? And you want to believe, yeah, definitely my and I mean my brother, he was a little bit skeptical before and whatnot, but I think he definitely sort of believes in the spiritual and things like that. Mm. Um, I believe as well your grief. Personally for me, grief has given me so much confidence. Confidence to be... Confidence in a thing of, this life is too fucking short. And I know it firsthand. Mum was 51. She had had another another chapter of her life to live. Mm. Grandmother, whatever. She had that chapter to live. So my grief has just made me go... I could die tomorrow. Mm. I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to say yes to what I want to say yes to. I'm going to say no to what I want to. I'm going to start a fucking podcast and I've done it. Yeah. So before before any of this, I would have never thought, yeah, I can do something like a podcast and put it out to the world and things like that and own it and have an Instagram page and things like that. It's given me such self-confidence to go, this life is too short. Yeah. Grab what you want to grab. Oh, completely. Reach for it. Fearless. So, fe- exactly fearless. It's not fearless. invincibility, not at all. Yeah. Very fine line between fearless and invincibility. That's a word. Um, <laughs> invin- <laughs> um, I don't but, know what you mean. Um, yeah. Fearlessness. Fearless. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Say it with chest, I'm fearless. I've heard that before. <laughs> There's an amazing guy who's not out yet on my season two is yet released on Daddy Issues, but he's called Leonard Sekionda. Mm. And his de- dad's death, He's a businessman and he's done really well and he's like, you know, also helps people. Like mm-hmm. he really wants to help um, mentor people and change the way that they think of okay. life and themselves yeah. to, to help them realise their own potential. Mm-hmm. And that all came from feeling like tomorrow yeah. he could die. Mm-hmm. So, and that's because of his experience with his dad yeah. dying. So he, he sees life a bit like you mm-hmm. in the sense of it's so fickle. So why... Tomorrow's not promised. Yeah, exactly. So sees, you know, carpe diem. It is, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Dio. Come on, Dio. It is, seize the day. Seize, seize the day. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah, it def- I mean, grief definitely brings on that. It brings on empathy, which I think is very important. Mm-hmm. And also, it's really important to sort of... I think what grief can do, which at the time feels fucking shit, but it really connects you with yourself mm-hmm. because so often we're thinking in our heads. Mm-hmm. And when you're grieving, you have no choice, mm-hmm. really, Unless you, I mean, my mum maybe really didn't have, I mean, you know, if they were, depending on their circumstances. Yes, yeah. But 
sometimes you have real no choice. You're getting to know yourself. To like feel that mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. And that's actually as shite as it is, it connects you with your body and with your feelings yeah. and with what you're really experiencing. Yeah. Grief is very loud. Grief it's, is very loud. It screams. Um, it fucking screams at you. I saw a quote not long ago and it's like my favourite. And it's like, I sat with my anger long enough until she told me her real name was Grief. And I was like, that rings so fucking true. Rings so, so true. true. And this is the thing, like grief, and I speak about this in my, this is a reason why I started, part of the reason why I started my podcast mm. was to get people to speak and realise loads of things, because obviously I'm not, again, just talking about grief, but loads of trauma in mm-hmm. your life will manifest into something else. Mm-hmm. For me, I then got socially anxious as a 20, 18-year-old to a 20, probably 22-year-old. And that was because when my dad left, I developed abandonment issues, became a people pleaser. People Mm -hmm. pleasing then became social anxiety because Mm -hmm. there's this pressure of wanting to be liked Mm -hmm. as well as wanting to, like not listening to yourself because you're always wanting to please others. So then it all relates, all like links up, Mm -hmm. holds like each other's hands, but you can't really put it to its root without really understanding why that is. And so all these different things, like I think that sort of layers of sort of identity that are being constructed, Mm -hmm. but they're not really you. You were like that person in there. Screaming. Yeah. And it's like finding that person through all these different Literally, experiences. Yeah. yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. This is me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that's when grief comes out and it's like, it's like now's my time. Yeah. Now is my time. We're going to talk. Yeah. Me and you, we got shit to talk about, hun. <laughs> and we're it. talking about it now. That is yeah. so fucking right. Right. So let's go. Sorry, I have ranted. No, I love it. Have I, have I f- too much? No, I fucking love it. Really? Don't ever say that. This podcast is a ramble. There is no time constraints. <laughs> Never. Um, so let's go. We'll go to last question. Yeah. How do you manage to think about it a little bit and stuff? Yeah? Oh, God. Yeah, I think yeah? so. We could tell yourself. <laughs> okay. 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 So- <laughs> you ask the question. I want to read it, hon? <laughs> so, if you could tell your past self one bit of truthful and helpful advice for the journey you're about to endure, what would it be? Question. Mm-hmm. Is that the journey I endured then or now? Ooh, God. Oh, my God. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Shit. Okay. So, the way I say it to you is, so, imagine you're back in that room where you heard a family friend to mum say. Yeah. Peter hasn't made it. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you, you're not like in Harry Potter, you know when, that, that, I think it's like yeah. <laughs> fucking the one where they see each other, they, they see themselves and they're like, what? But if you could grab your younger self and say, yeah. baby girl, I'm going to briefly tell you what you are about to go through up to current day. One bit of truthful and honest advice that I can give you to get through it. Oh, What would it be? God. <sighs> I think I'd probably say stick in there. I wouldn't change anything now because of where I'm at now. Ask me two years ago and I wouldn't have said the same thing. Mm -hmm. But now I'm on a good path. I feel very at peace with my dad's death, with myself, with where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And so I think I just tell her, I give her a massive hug. Yeah. And I tell her that she was loved massively, which is a very lucky thing to have in life. Mm-hmm. And to remember that, even when she's doubting it. And 
to love herself loads. Yeah, unconditionally. Unconditionally, which is a very difficult thing to do, mm-hmm. which we all know. Yeah. But I think I just tell her to stick in there because it will get better yeah. and you will find yourself and you will one day feel at peace Yeah. after all of this. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> oh, we're at the end. We're at the end. I don't want to be at the end. <laughs> I ranted. No, you haven't. Golden. It's, Absolutely golden. There's just so, I haven't, it's like thoughts that I haven't, there's so much in my mind. It's like going through like 21 years exactly. worth of stuff. Yeah. So you haven't even got half of it. Yeah. All the more reason to come <laughs> back. <laughs> Part two. Anything else you want to say? Um, Gonna drop Daddy Issues podcast available on Spotify and Apple. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) But no, seriously, no, it's amazing. You all need to check it out. I will obviously leave links and everything to your page. Oh, thank you. Um, Thank you for coming on this. Oh my god, I've literally loved it so much. I think if I was going to say one more thing about grief, mm-hmm. and I think this is very much like me on my now grief high horse, which I definitely <laughs> don't want to be. But one, once upon a time, I was fully in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. And I think what I would say is, if you are grieving and you're listening to this because you're because you're really in the thick of it, mm-hmm. is to really face that thick of it. But also, as we were saying, don't, try not to live in that lens of victimhood Mm. because that's what really holds you back. And it's putting that energy into something which, I guess, for you, example, doing this podcast or doing something which is going to take control of a situation that you are fully out of control of. Um, But feeling it, but then also not letting it over come yeah. i don't know if that's any no i know exactly what you mean yes yeah, it's do. putting words to it as you well you need to feel but at the same time not saying no when to stop feeling but knowing when to go enough is enough i'm going to go about my day yeah i'm going to go about my day i'm going to live my best fucking life my grief is a part of me yeah but it doesn't define me exactly that's it it doesn't define you yeah but it's here and it's here to stay. It's paid its rent. It's staying. Yeah. But I'm going to do me. Yeah. And you're on I'm your own journey. Me. And that journey will be however long or as short as it needs. But it's a lifetime's worth. Yeah. It's a lifetime journey. It will be It will be a bit more harder at some points on this journey. And mm. some days it will be non-existent yeah. on this journey. Yeah. Um, and I think life phases yeah. bring it back, but in a mm-hmm. different way. Like yeah. I think, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I'm sure you have. But when we have babies, if we have course, babies, yeah. you know, what's that going to feel like? Exactly. What kind of grief is that? Gonna yes. Bring? When we have, we get married yeah. and all those different, you know, life moments. Yeah. And I think having a healthy relationship with grief is what I'm trying to say is it's really, is really important. I think a lot of things is you can have a healthy relationship. And you can. With, and you can. Yeah. Although it's a very ugly, a very um, disruptive thing, you can have a healthy relation with it. Mm. Um but you have to acknowledge it have to, to have it. it. You yeah. have to accept it yeah. to then get to that point of, yeah. we can be mates. Yeah. <laughs> we can coexist. We, we can be pals, I suppose. <laughs> acquaintances, maybe. Acquaintances. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank We're going to so wrap much. up. Thank you, darling. This has been absolutely amazing. Grief Gang, I hope you have loved this. I actually don't really want it to end, but 
we may have a little another one again. You never know. <laughs> yes, I love that. This isn't the end. This isn't the end of Grief Gang and Daddy Issues podcast. So, Grief Gang, you'll hear this on Monday. I hope you love it and I hope it inspires you to look at your grief a bit differently and realise there is grief um, and positivity. Positivity in grief. Yeah. So, and, and productivity. And productivity. Positivity and productivity in grief. Amen. Grief <laughs> sister. <laughs> Grief gang over and out. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.